broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. Now, as we are one with the plant, right. let us now look at the cell structure that is present in the stem of the plant. All right, I'm in the leaf. Let me get down into the stem. Okay, I'm in the stem. Fine. Now, look at the wall cells in the stem and describe what you are now seeing. All right, I started out more toward the center of the stem. Now what I'll do is I'll just go back up into the leaf. There I am. I'm in the leaf now. That was a recording of a scientific experiment conducted in 1973 in the United States. The experiment, pioneered by an ex-CIA interrogator, Cleve Baxter, monitored the reactions of a plant with a polygraph instrument. The secondary subject was a man who claimed that he could travel outside of his body into the astral plane, which would allow him energetically to venture into and explore the cell structure of the plant. The reactions of the polygraph were both significant and inconclusive. Is it possible to travel outside of your physical body into other worlds, dimensions, and states of being? Tonight's guest claims to not only possess the ability to travel to the astral plane, but that she's been doing it consistently since she was a child. We'll hear her story after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. You are listening to the Off to the Witch podcast, where we explore that bizarre borderline between fiction and reality and all subjects arcane. Journey over to my YouTube channel and subscribe now at youtube.com slash at off to the witch for a variety of extras and special features, including the off to the witch mini docs with further insights on many of the latest episodes, as well as previews and behind the scenes of my forthcoming investigative series off to the witch presents, as well as the anniversary edition of my motion picture documentary Montauk Chronicles and follow us on social media. All links are available at linktree.com slash garitano7, G-A-R-E-T-A-N-O-7. And stay tuned for more Off to the Witch. began with a strange but familiar love affair. I felt so comfortable with him. Do you think it's possible we might have known each other before? Before what? Known each other in another lifetime, reincarnation. An affair that became a journey into the human soul. You were the guy who gave me these? I was the guy. Haven't we met somewhere before? The truth is that you can't deal with me being a married man. There's an expression. If you want to get to the fruit of the tree, you have to go out on a limb. What do you mean you lived before? It's a feeling. 
He had lived many lifetimes before. A personal quest that would change her reality forever. I'm on my way to Peru next week. You want to join me? Tonight. Who is this David? Shirley, what do you know about him? When are you going to tell me what's really going on? When it's time. A phenomenal adventure into the other self. David, see me. David, see me. David, see me. Don't touch the wheel. A true story. <gasps> so unorthodox it borders on fantasy. It happened. It is happening. It's metaphysical Twilight Zone mumbo-jumbo. Charles Dance. Ann Jackson. John Hurd. In the conclusion of the most unusual miniseries on network television, Shirley MacLaine goes out on a limb. Next. Christopher Garitano, and tonight's guest, Bree McSherry, claims to have an innate ability to travel to the astral plane, uncharted landscapes and perhaps parallel dimensions outside of our physical realm. Since she was a child, Bree has had visitations and experiences that most of us only know in fantasy and dreams. Around the world and throughout recorded history, there have been others that claim to share her ability and adventures through the unknown. Tonight, she'll tell her story. So here's my interview with Bree McSherry. I was born in Tampa, Florida. I was the oldest of um, five kids total. And, um, you know, at the time I was, it was just me and my brother at a very, very young age. Um, and some of my earliest memories were of, you know, actually having these projection experiences um, as a child. Some of my earliest, earliest memories. And um, my brother came along when he was about two. And I remember, you know, playing with him when he was in the room or, you know, taking him out the crib. But, um, so I must have been around three or four at that time. And I have, you know, these specific memories of um, dancing entities and my on my ceiling. And I remember looking up and, um, you know, floating out to my living room and, you know, seeing um, shadow figures or creatures or, you know, giant spiders and they were just crawling around. Um, you just you think that that's normal. I was having these experiences and I often thought um, what I was going through was what everyone was going through. I tried telling my parents and they didn't really understand it. And I remember, um, you know, learning from a very young age, like, okay, not everyone is actually also experiencing this. And I learned to really keep things to myself especially with how, you know, religious my family was. So there was, there was religion in the family and what you were experiencing, you felt was very normal. It's kind of strange because in, in most religions, there's this ethereal perspective, very spiritual. Um, the supernatural 
should be real for most people that subscribe to and believe in faith and religion. But they're afraid, especially when someone explains it. And we were discussing this recently, and I went way back to the story of uh, Annalise Michel in West Germany. And, you know, she had complained of being visited by dark entities in the middle of the night, and people thought she was crazy. And they loaded her up with magic medication and probably contributed to her destruction. But um, at that time, and you vocalized this to family, did they seem to be afraid of what you were saying or did they just think, did they just think that um, you had a wild imagination? I feel like they just, they knew I, as a child, I mean, I was always like, my head was always in books. I mean, I was always obsessed with, and I still am obsessed with dragons and um, just, you know, fantastical worlds and creatures. And I was always drawing and, you know, painting. And, you know, I think that they really legitimately convinced themselves or were convinced of the fact that these were probably just dreams and or nightmares I was having. I don't think they ever really shamed me for it, but it definitely was like, you know, I'd say an experience and they'd be like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, and just kind of <laughs> go back to what they were doing. Like they really didn't feed into that at all, at all. But um, family members um, on that side of the family, well, both both my sides of my family, but on my dad's side, you know, I, throughout the years, I've got to talking to them and they've had their own experiences of the, you know, metaphysical realm. Um, but it's very, very tight lipped. It's very, you know, again, conservative Catholic family. I mean, the religious roots run very deep Italian Irish, you know. You know, when you have an experience and you, you're either afraid to tell someone or you're not very well received or someone doesn't believe you, and it's, is it a very isolating feeling? Did you feel isolated as a, as a child going through these experiences? Somewhat, somewhat. Um, I definitely felt, well, I didn't even really know what projection, what projection was, you know, um, it wasn't something I talked about, but it also wasn't something that made me feel alone yet <laughs> until I started really delving into the plane in my later teenage years. Um, but as a child, you know, it very much was just a part of my reality and just the lack of programming from societal, religious, and, you know, family friends sources, it just was, it was, you know, just common. I was just having these experiences and nobody wanted to talk about it. But there were a lot of things that, like, people around me didn't want to talk about in my life. So I didn't think it too unusual or obtuse to other daily happenings, not until later in life, for sure. So before your teens, because you had mentioned earlier about the fear programming, can you first kind of give me an example of that for the people that really aren't aware of it, even though they, they're exposed to things like that, they just don't get it. Um, first that, and then can you tell me when you were first exposed to that and how that changed your perspective on what you were experiencing? I remember uh, when I first started getting into projection, I was, there was like gateway subjects, I like to call them. Um, 
and it was, you know, fourth, fifth grade, me and my friends, we would pretend we had powers and telekinesis. So that led me to like looking up on Google, you know, telekinesis, what is this? And the articles I was finding, I was like, wait, this stuff kind of sounds real. And then that led me to chakras. And up until this point, you know, I was just playing games online. I was playing, you know, whatever. But people this following these religions, they really believed in this stuff. And I started to believe it too. So I started, I remember being so young, just like meditating on my, my chakras. And I didn't, you know, I was still, you know, very involved in the Catholic church. I was like, I didn't know what any of this stuff meant. It just, I knew I felt there was some truth in it. So I followed that feeling. But over the years, and you start to watch things through Hollywood and social media, and you start to get an idea in your head of, oh, the darkness, you know, the demons and the ghosts, and then having my own sort of experiences with these things that sounded kind of similar. It definitely started planting seeds in my head that some maybe maybe all of this isn't just, you know, fun and games and maybe this curiosity could really land me into some trouble. Did you believe it could? I think um when I when I first learned the term astral projection I went through my little, you know, chakra rabbit hole, meditation rabbit hole, which led me to the term astral projection. And I was like, that is it. That is what I've been experiencing. That's it. And I found um, a subreddit on, and it's still active to this day, and I'm still active on there. It's been like... (laughs) seven or eight or nine years and they have a it's just the astral projection subreddit and they have tons and tons of resources and links and that is really where I first started you know getting actual footholds of like the scope of what I was actually doing and um through there there was there's articles on astral defense and low vibrational entities and planes and and all throughout this time you know you're watching scary movies and horror movies and then you know insidious had just come out maybe a year or two after i started really diving into it and all of these things definitely contributed to an environment where i started to not not feel so or as safe as maybe i once did and and the entities knew that and they started to um, definitely bother me more after that. So here, this raises a lot of questions for me. And I'm just genuinely curious about this uh, in regard to my own experiences, studies, listening to other people over the years. Do you feel, it's so complicated, do you feel that once you're exposed to a particular thing, that the same entities that you experienced before could become dangerous in regard to your influence is is do you have once your perspective changed changes once your perspective changes do you have some kind of influence over the energies that you're experiencing Mm. well i think you're definitely right in that there's so many variables to that right um i think the mind is extremely powerful i think most everyone knows how powerful the mind can be 
goes back to that old adage, just um, glass half full, glass half empty. I mean, same thing. You choose to look at an entity that is dark and feeds off of fear and negativity. And if, you know, I was had some projection experience, if I project on the plane and it would take the shape of a demon and it knew if it could take a certain shape that would induce fear within me that it could feed and it could feed off of that and grow stronger than it would. I just want to make clear that I believe these these amorphous energies are real. I was just curious as if they could take shape. Um, I guess what you're suggesting is based, and what I've heard others suggest as well, is that based off of your fear, they strengthen in regard to this terrifying thing, whether it takes place as a an entity invading your space, a poltergeist. Are these the same things or this is a completely different thing? I've had entities that have been around me while I'm projecting and they take the shape of something very scary. And then I, you know, I get the shoot, you know, that icy feeling of fear in me. And, you know, maybe they hang around for a little bit longer, but as soon as I start to change my perspective and I started doing more research or I gained, you know, kind of downloads or cosmic insights as to what these low vibrational entities were actually doing is I found that almost complete trust in myself that I was infinitely more powerful than these low vibrational entities. But um, for me, what really helped is just feeling and knowing that, you know, I was divinely guided, the result of love, my atoms, everything that I'm made up of is love, is dense. We are so dense on the third dimensional plane. And these entities that on these low vibrational planes, I mean, I mean, they're hanging out on maybe some planes where they're not so dense. And I feel like the density gives strength in our um, willpower, our protections. Um, but who's really to say? I can I couldn't say with um, certainty. There's still so many um, mysteries, and um, I feel as though I've encountered some really dark spirits. But in the same pace, I've also been very comfortable pushing those dark spirits away from me because I just know that I am infinitely more powerful than them. And um, I feel protected. You were experiencing these things as a girl, as a little girl. Take me back to the time where you were conscious of what astral projection was when you first became that way and that you began to put it into application to, with the intent to get better at it, to learn. When was that time? When I learned the term of astral projecting, it was all that I wanted to do. I found such such a, a aggressive curiosity into the astral realm. Having these experiences, finally getting a quote-unquote diagnosis of what was going on with me um, at such a time of my life um, where I was also, you know, going through puberty and experiencing changes and growing and learning. And I was 12 or 13 when I first had, you know, and I had laid down to project so many times, countless times before I like could lay down, 
and then project at will and just kind of hang out on the plane. But when I found out what it was, it was like, I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't, I could not get enough of it. It's still to this day. I mean, it's my favorite thing to talk about. So take me to that first time where it really blew you away. And obviously it affected you as a child, but when you got to that conscious space of what it was, you've read about other people's experiences and I, it's a form of ecstasy, I'm sure, where you're just completely blown away at this ability. Take me there. I'll, I'll give you two experiences that really set me on that track of like, I know what this is now and I want more of it. And that purely for self-exploratory purposes, I was intrigued. I was overwhelmed with awe. And my first experience was, and I, up until this point, I'd had a couple experiences where, you know, I'd get the vibrations and then I would, you know, kind of try and lift out of my body and it would just be kind of like body parts. But the first time I actually projected and consciously remembered as a teenager, um, a solid experience where it felt more real than real life was um, middle na- middle of the night, woke up and I teleported across my room and I touched the wall and my hand sank through the wall and I was like oh my god I finally did it and I teleported myself to just like the most beautiful field with flowers and I was just flying around just a mindscape you know a mind palace if you will um but that was like the breakthrough and then very shortly after I had an experience where I projected out of my body and I was kind of laying in bed and I was like sitting next to myself and I was like okay well what do I want to do now um, and I was like, you know what? I always read this stuff about past lives. I want to see a past life. And I put that intention out and I blinked and I was in the body of one of, I was first person in the body of one of my past lives. I was an older woman and I was in like a nursing home and I was in a wheelchair and I wheeled myself up to a mirror and I had long gray hair and it was braided on over my, my left shoulder. I still remember it clear as day. And I remember looking at myself and I just completely like, it was like the top like blew off. I couldn't even believe it. I, I, I didn't stop thinking about that for weeks. And when I went back to my body, you know, you're just going through normal life and this stuff is happening to who are you going to tell at you know, like you're a teenager having these like mind blowing experiences. Like it was very, and that's when it, the isolation and the alone feeling came. So you, there was no one to relate to at that time. You were going into these places and it, did it make the normal world seem boring? Were you always looking forward to this? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Sure. And how could it not once you realize what you're doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, um, definitely was a very lonely time. And I was a pretty quiet kid back then too. So, you know, I kind of coped through art and, you know, drawing and painting and, um, and I think the bigger concepts and postulations of, you know, why are we here? What is the point of everything? Nothing matters. Everything matters. Nothing is real. These are all illusions. That came even later in my life. So at the time, it was just like, okay, how far can I take this? How many experiences can I get from this? And I try to have those experiences. 
would you do this at night or would you do it in the afternoon when you came home from school or whenever? My projection experiences happen best when I lay down for naps in the middle of the day. Um, partly because, you know, I still have a little bit of a fear of a dark because of all the experiences I've had. It's funny to admit it today, but, um, you know, at night it's a little, you know, it's just darker. You see shadows and I'm like, eh, the programming. Um, but I would lay down for naps and there was a point where I, every time I lay down for a nap, every single day I'd project and I knew I'd project. And, um, yeah, sometimes uh, I'll project in the middle of the night when I'm about to fall asleep from the day. And that kind of sucks because it's like if I got to get up for work in like four or five hours and then I'm getting those energy pulses like I'm about to project, sometimes I can't switch it off. And sometimes I'm like, ugh, like I just want to go to sleep. And like sometimes like I my body just comes out of like my etheric body just comes out of it, my physical. And I just have to, you know do my time on the plane real quick and then jump back in my body, then I can fall asleep. Um, so it can be random. It can be controlled. I've um, projected from meditation once, but that's harder to do because my meditation habit is a little shaky. Can you take me to the beginning of how you do this, or dare I say the ritual of doing this um, and the procedure of of getting to the place where you can project. And then I have a few questions about unique people because maybe some people can't project as easy as others, you know? I wouldn't say it's like a ritual because I, I feel like for some it would be, it, it's a ritual. For me, it's always come very smoothly. Um, and my spirit guides, I've spoken to them on the plane about this before. They've told me, they're like, you need to go back to square one. And I'm just, I'm like, but I'm projecting. And they're like, no, you need to learn how to do it like meditating or, you know, in flow. And they have told me that before. A lot of my projection experiences, like I said, I'll lay down and I'll get a, a single energy pulse usually from like bottom of my spine up to my the top of my like cranium and then that's kind of like indicative to me like hey you're about to have a projection experience um to fight the experience is a little bit tougher takes a little more willpower um so i usually go with it and then the energy pulses happen you know a little bit faster and a little closer together until my whole body is vibrating in the very beginning, when I was really consciously projecting as a teenager, it would sound like like a freight train or like a like a like a loud loud buzzing. But now I pretty much um, just kind of can switch on the vi- vibration um, period and then pop out of my body um, a little bit quicker. And I'm just kind of used to the noises now. But um, yeah. And then um, to your second question, which was relating to. Sure. So, so it was, it was like the procedure of achieving that point. And it seems like you, you have an ability that maybe, you know, perhaps everyone can project with concentration and practice, but you seem to have this innate switch that might be a little easier to get there. Do you believe that? So I, I do I do agree with you. I think anyone can out project. I think it, it may take longer for some and I've definitely asked friends 
or helped, um, you know, describe my experiences on to help them try and project. I've tried so hard looking for, you know, a master or a mentor on the astral plane. And um, I don't know why it's, it comes so naturally to me. And that's isolating as well, you know, and um, I've asked Reiki healers and shamans, I've asked monks, I've gone to all the metaphysical shops in my area, asking for help. I'm like, does anyone have mastery over the plane who also has a natural gift in this? And it's always, you know, oh, we don't deal in that, or we don't, we don't know enough, or we can't do that, or, you know, they can't really point me in the right direction. I do think everyone can astral project. And I think a lot of people unconsciously astral project. But the ability has always um, the gift. It's definitely a gift. Um, has always been seated very close to, you know, who I am since I was very little. It's, it's probably and continues to be, obviously, as life tends to be, uh, a discovery. And you began this. And you started to learn as you went. You went on these journeys. You saw things. Can you take me back to, you know, because I'm sure there are recent ones, but I want to go back a little bit. Go back to where there was this first profound journey that you took consciously uh, and you went through your procedure and you began to astral project. What happened? Can you Can you describe the journey? So that first experience was actually in the middle of the night and I had been practicing, you know, projecting for many, many months. I mean, it was, I think a year and a half of, you know, trying to have these guided projection experiences, um, to have conscious projection experiences. I should be, um, a little more careful with my words. And it was the middle of the night and I was awakened. (laughs) Um, And it was like the vibrations had hit me, but so much stronger. Because up to this point, I had had experiences with the vibrations. I had had experiences with seeing certain parts of my etheric body come out of my physical body, but I had never been able to separate my full head and torso. This particular experience, my entire body was jostling. Like it was something was like jostling me around and vibrating to describe it. It's almost like you know, when you're in a massage chair and you could do like that full body massage and your whole body gets like really funny and tingly. It's like that, but like times three or four and it's felt within. And that energy, the feeling of that energy just completely, I blinked and I was teleported across my room facing my wall. I didn't turn around to see if my physical body was there. I just, something, something told me, I knew that I had just projected for the first time consciously. And I had my hand in front of me and I was facing, I was real close to the wall. I was squatting down and I like 
pushed my hand through the wall and I fell forward through the wall, like down beneath my house. And I was like sitting in the darkness because I was underground. I was like, it was really weird. And I was like, well, I was, well, first I was trying to like really keep the excitement under wraps because as soon as your heart rate kind of spikes and your breathing escalates, I pop back to my body. So I was really kind of trying to keep the excitement at a dull roar. And then I was like, what do I want to do? And the first thing I ever did was just take myself to like the most beautiful field or happy place, little mind palace, whatever you want to call it. Um, just an open field and there were yellow flowers everywhere. There was a tree line around me and it was like a huge, it was just a big encirclement of, you know, forest line or the edge of a forest. And I was just flying around. I was just happy. I was like elated. I was, you know, just completely in a state of joy and excitement to be back somewhere where I knew was home. It felt like home to me. It felt like I was returning some, like at a, like an old place. I felt, um, I felt excitement and I just knew my path from then on and, and there out is just a, um, a commitment to projecting. Where, where do you think this world is? Is it some other dimension? Is it the afterlife? It, what is it? That's a really good question. And I think of talking with my guides and reading the works of, you know, spiritual masters and my own projection experiences. And a lot of people in the spiritual community, you know, having this ability has made it very, very easy, in my opinion, to sift through truth and farce. I think in terms of purposes, I think we are living on the three-dimensional plane. I think there's a purpose in why everyone is here. I think there is life after death, but I don't think death is really all that different than life. I think the auric fields and the astral planes and, you know, fourth, fifth plus dimensions, they're not that different. There's whole colonies and entities and planets that live on fourth dimensions and higher. And I visited some and it's just a little different here on earth because we're experiencing like a full range of emotions. Like our higher selves aren't afraid to suffer. They come here and we come here and we choose to come here in my opinion, because we want to experience anger and malice and sadness and depression and jealousy and envy And this is just, it's like a school. We're just, it's a game. We're just here to experience those emotions that some of those higher dimensions don't have the opportunity to. I guess the question I would have is what is the right way to see and approach astral travel? What state of mind should you be in? State of spirit, state of being, and maybe what what you shouldn't and, and the type of person or how whatever thought process you currently embody that you shouldn't approach this? I think, you know, because the astral plane is very fluid, me personally, I 
I don't believe there are rules necessarily. I think there are things that you can do to help yourself. And some of these things um, for me personally is I like to stay high vibrational. A lot of times when I'm going to, you know, festivals or I do a lot of workshops, like for example, I went to Zen Awakening. It's a little get together of um, like-minded peoples in Lakeland. And, um, like after that I was, I was doing working workshops all weekend and the whole week after that I was having very powerful astral projection experiences, just being around that energy, being around like-minded spiritual people, people who are, you know, devoted to the path I think is really, really awesome. And, um, you know, meditation, yoga, I like to try to do my best to just have a, a healthier lifestyle, I cannot project under the influence of anything. I can't project under the influence of caffeine, nicotine, psychedelic drugs. Um, I've never tried anything like DMT or ayahuasca. Um, I think those could be tools into different states of being. And I think those are super useful to a lot of people. But um, for me personally, it's not just, you know, projecting it's just it's a lifestyle of um keeping your vibration up and creating an environment where when you project you're not going to project to those sluggish gray low vibrational planes and i i notice a huge difference when i'm eating good and i'm doing yoga and i'm meditating every day and i'm really taking time to reflect and be mindful and I call it just when I'm on my high vibe stuff, <laughs> um, those projection experiences, I will will be clearer, sharper, and last longer as opposed to if I'm really not taking care of myself, going through a really hard time, um, I will immediately project and be sluggish. My I won't be able to see very well. I'll be able to see a lot more low vibrational entities. It's harder to connect with my spirit guides when I'm on the plane. So you know, I try not to even project if unless I really know I'm going to just kind of enter into those higher planes where I can communicate with my spirit guides because that's where I actually get the more, the nicer experiences, I suppose. There are those who say that this quiet town holds many secrets. Legend has it that beneath this very tower, a dark force had its eyes set on the children. We were told that what was going on there was for the benefit of humanity. What would you say to the people who say, well, all these children were kidnapped and murdered and you were a part of it. What would you tell them? You I tell? did approve of it, but there was nothing I could do about it. They wanted a large number of programmed boys to be used for mind control operations. And there are others who say it's still happening to this day. I don't know, I for myself find it a little suspicious that 
All the evidence has been conveniently destroyed. Let's put it this way. If you're sitting there with 20 guns pointed at you, what are you gonna do? Whatever the hell they want! Watch Montauk Chronicles now for free on Tubi, Plex, Roku, and available for download on Amazon and Apple TV. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. From that, I, I have a couple of new questions. So if someone were to try and project on lower vibrations, uh, they're not taking care of themselves. They're in a really bad negative frame of mind. They're saturated with some really dark stuff. Would they experience something similar on the astral if they were to try to project in that in that state of spirit and mind? Yes, absolutely. Um when I'm sitting on a low vibration, just in my day-to-day life, you know, I struggle with mental health, depression, but it's when I'm not taking care of myself. You know, when I'm in my routine, I'm doing good. But when I'm not taking care of myself as well, it's a direct reflection. The astral plane becomes a direct reflection of my mind in a, in a strange sense. And I've had experiences where I've projected and... I view low vibrational entities as just a reflection of kind of what I'm going through. And then they'll like dissipate. It is so, and that's where the line gets blurred. It's like, you know, you're, you're going to these planes of existence. Some, some things that you see are simply a reflection of your mind. And then other things and other encounters you see like spirit guides or angels or, or entities or aliens. And these are like actual beings that are hanging out on higher dimensional planes and this is where i say the planes can be you can co-create the planes you can manifest things in real time really fast whereas here on the three-dimensional plane you know you do ritual if you're let's say you're a very spiritual person and you're doing ritual and you're um you know i want to manifest you know, money and travels and experiences. And I want my business to be successful. That could take two, three years for all the little pieces to, to align. And, you know, you being in alignment for all those things to synchronize. Whereas on the astral plane, you get, you get a direct reflection of what you put out immediately. If I was on the astral plane and I wanted to materialize something in front of me, I could do that. But then you start dipping into lucidity and, in the between the lucid dream state and the astral state so it's you know without a master or a mentor like it's so hard to discern sometimes it's tough can a person get lost in the astral plane and not come back is there a way that you can literally be out there floating and not you know because i remember way back the actress uh shirley mclean uh had she wrote a book called out on a limb 
and she was experiencing these same exact things that you are. And I think she had suggested at one point that that cord, you know, proverbial cord could be cut. You can, you might not be able to come back. Is that true? I'm not going to discredit anyone else's experiences. Um, Who's to say, you know, someone who's in a coma, they've had that happen to them. Any, it's above 0% chance. I personally, I don't believe in that at all. I have traveled to entire other star systems and galaxies far beyond the reach of where my physical body is. I've encountered numerous situations and entities that, you know, and sometimes some places where I'm really not supposed to be. And I always feel very tethered to my body. The instant something happens that I'm somewhere I'm not supposed to be, or I'm doing something that is a little bit outside my skill level, or I am, you know, interacting with a being that doesn't have my best intentions in mind, my spirit guides will like put me to sleep. They will just immediately push me right into dream state. So I go from projecting right into dream state and I'm out for the night or for the rest of that nap. And then I wake up and I'm like, mm, dang, like I now know I probably should not have done that. It's a feeling you get. Is there a stark difference between a lucid dream state and the astral realm? Like, you know the difference. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, For me, in my experience, lucid dreaming is a lot of like, a lot of random stuff, a lot of things you won't recognize. Like, I've had lucid dreams where I'm like on the bottom of the ocean surrounded by like just random vacuum cleaners. Like, and I've like realized like I'm dreaming. Like that's more of a lucid dream, right? Like on the astral plane, depending on what plane you're on, I've been on like, mostly I'm on the plane that directly reflects reality. So a lower vibrational plane is, you know, when you're not doing so good, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like, the normal plane here, but just really gray and murky and like kind of blurry. And then like the next plane above that is just kind of where, you know, more like your spirit guides can hang out and just kind of like fun little entities and stuff. And that's just like, it's like sunny and bright all the time. That's in my experience. So a question to the other side of the manipulation because of all of the programming and all of that that there is a force, whether it be human or whatever, trying to keep us from being enlightened. Can we talk about that? What What is that force? Why on earth would they try to keep us from becoming enlightened and aware and program us to a certain place of fear? Just from your perspective, I know we don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think it has something to do with karma, honestly. I feel like certain like we were just talking about the cycles and then it cut out maybe someone's karma on their you know let's say their lifetime is they need to figure out that life is cycles by themselves and then what if they hear this podcast and they're like oh wait life is just cycles well they've just like robbed an experience with like five people they have contracts with to like learn this experience for themselves you know so I feel like it could it could very well have to do with karma. Um, I think Earth is a school. I think 
talking and communicating certain concepts too fast or in certain ways not everyone's going to be ready for and that's okay and I get it but um I would like to share you know just because of it's a gift but I understand that there are cosmic forces um maybe that you know know better than I you know maybe in a way that I'm not as ignorant as I was when I was 12 or 13 maybe you know, guides or angels or masters have a certain lack of ignorance that I possess right now that we just can't even perceive, you know? And that's like where my mind goes with all this stuff is I'm constantly thinking very, very conceptual, very existential. And that's what this path has really led me down is just existentialism, like very hardcore. And it's hard to anchor that in sometimes. Sure, because you're, you know, you're living in two worlds. You're living in the world of schedules and fabrication. And, you know, we we have to because we're here physically and you have to get through it. So there are certain rules and parameters you have to live by. But, and there's, and but that's a short beat in your existence because whether, you know, whether you're reincarnated here or whatever, you still have to move on from this and in a very short period of time or we're here for for a little while do you feel further connected to the astral plane than you do in this current human form hell yeah this sucks <laughs> this sucks so bad like okay gratefulness appreciation love it here having fun guys but like this sucks it so much suffering here so much pain but you know what there is so much love and there's so much joy but being able to see through all that i'm like you know there's just so much else like else going on couldn't even dip into specifics but like i'm like have to now play the game but I feel as though I'm moving towards a period or time in my life where now I'm going to, you know, be helping other people on their journey. Or if not this lifetime, maybe the next one, um, be a light warrior of sorts or helping a collective shift in consciousness. Excited for all of this. But with how ignorant I am now and the experiences I've had, I'm just like, oh, I wish I could go back but experiencing what I'm experiencing is just as important. So there is a certain level of acceptance. It's very dual, very dual, back and forth. Sure. Do you think there's a purpose in how bad this world can be, the physical, you know, here on earth? Is there is there a purpose in all of the pain and destruction and uh, how heavy it is? Yeah, absolutely. I think everything has a purpose. I think or feel very strongly that everything does happen for a reason. I know that's cliche, but just the experiences that I've had on the plane and being able to, you know, conceptualize things a little bit more based on those experiences, everything is moving in perfect sync and love for one another whether it be karmically you know the uh, web of consciousness if you if you if um you know about that um 
I talk to some of the people in my life about this often or people on forums how, you know, I believe in soul contracts. So, you know, your spirit guides are making contracts with someone else's spirit guides that you interact with on like the third party or the third dimension. Sorry, excuse me. Um, Like picture two souls and they're on the other side. And one of the souls is like, well, I really need to experience lessons and heartbreak. Like I need to know what that feels like. And then another soul across from them is like, wait, 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 I can help you with that. I can set it so that I'm going to pass away at like 35. And then you're going to be super heartbroken because I was the love of your life. And then that soul goes, oh my God, that's such a good idea. And then I could teach you this lesson in the meantime. So they're like, I feel like they're creating contract. Everyone's creating contracts with each other. I feel like you know, fate is unchangeable, but it is changeable. I think free will ties into that, you know, and I hate to get so existential with some of these concepts, but really astral plane, like that, that's it. Like it is existential. It is conceptual in nature. It's all the game. This is, this is a game we're playing, you know? Is, is there, any particular philosophy, religion, or um, perspective that was written that it could be like the nucleus of understanding? You know, has anyone tried to really truly define this in a study or a book or a religious tome or something like that? Um, I don't know if I have the qualifications to answer that, but <laughs> um, I definitely think there's uh, truth in every religion. Absolutely. I think my personal opinion and feeling is I think the only truth is love. I think that is, to me, the phrase that resonates the most. Like if the absolute truth is just is love and love kind of is a mysterious force and it is felt by, you know, everything and everyone down to our very atoms that are like attracting and repulsing from each other. Like they're literally making love, like just to be able to like help us breathe and function. Like everything is, is just, is love. And I think that's an absolute truth. And I think many religious texts and many religious ideologies are centered around how to live your life in shedding off karma or trying to just be a good person and just trying to live your life in love. And I think there's a lot of subjective takes on that. Obviously there's a lot of like extremist opinions and that's okay. That's fine. That's what people get out of it. Um, but I think at the root religion when it starts is like people have these revelations and groups of people are just like, Hey, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And that helped me. And then it just naturally spreads that way. One of my favorite quotes is religion is your belief in other people's experiences and spirituality is your belief in your own experiences. And coming from a very religious background, being very Catholic, I felt I've definitely walked that line and felt that very heavily. That's what resonated with me anyway. Do you feel that venturing into the astral heals you 
uh, spiritually, mentally, physically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've encountered on the astral plane, even like shadow aspects of myself. Carl Jung, um, one of the more famous, uh, like psychologists, right. He, um, he wrote a lot about like shadow selves and done a little bit of research here and there actually spoke to a psychic a couple months back and he was kind of, I was asking him advice about the astral, you know, plane and he went into how, you know, the astral plane is sometimes a reflection of how you feel and in your mind. So I kind of like, I kind of leaned into that in some of my subsequent projections. And I met a version of myself that was like really little, probably like 10 or 11. And like, that was the shadow part of myself that always thought I was fat. And like, I met it with like love and I embraced it and like it melted and like it healed me for a period of time and I didn't have I wasn't burdened by those thoughts but like I say fab I'm like you know what I mean just body image issues just a lot of stuff rolled into that there's something called or what he called it Alejandro Jodorowsky calls it psychomagic and a lot of these techniques are done in his meditations you should look into it I think you'd really really enjoy because this is a man you can call him he's 94 years old right now living and he's studied every possible aspect of spiritualism you could possibly think of and define and so he had created his own but what you had just said where you were meeting that shadow self a lot of those rituals are within psychomagic and um it's powerful stuff, and it's hard for people to understand at first, but it seems that yourself as an astral traveler, you're in full understanding of what that is by nature because of your understanding of our existence. You know, Right. You see it, and you immediately recognize it. It's not like you meet someone on the third dimensional plane, and you go up to a stranger, and a stranger goes, hey, I'm your friend, and like I know this person. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, you're really cool. On the astral plane, you can see, you can feel energetically what what things in front of you are. I've met entities that are pretending to even be my spirit guides, and immediately you know something is off because it's like, okay, your energy is telling me something different, buddy. Um, and you can kind of like see through that. It's so interesting. And like with the shadow self – it was just me as a little girl who thought she was, you know, fat and had to worry about her weight. And I saw her and she was crying and I like went up to her and I just gave her a big old hug and I was like, it's okay. Like you don't have to feel that way. And it melted. And sure. That's an amazing technique. Again, you know, I wonder if I, I'm actually pretty certain that he does is that Jodorowsky had uh, traveled through the astral and it's just finding ways for people to kind of do it in a, without having to go through everything he did. Um, and I'm not sure if you can or not, but I know psychomagic has worked for a lot of people. Um, I wanted to ask you, so in that same respect where you met that other part of yourself to heal, because this is about healing and about healing you. Uh, let's say, here's a scenario. So let's say there's somebody who is angry at you, jealous of you, and you feel them. They keep popping you into your head constantly. And it's almost as if that's what they want because some of their behaviors in the world here mimic 
some of the things that they keep, and you're not thinking of this person, they're just popping in, could an act of the same way, imagining that you're saying, hey, it's okay, you can go on your way, you don't have to obsess over this anymore. You know, you have that conversation in a chamber. Um, I had tried something like that for this very particular thing, and it worked. And I'm wondering, is it the same thing that you're describing? Is it possible that on some other plane, when you when you meditate on that thought that you had this conversation with this person in a, in this imaginary room or whatever, and it almost feels like they let it go, and after that, I did not feel their energy coming in anymore. I feel like as we're talking and walking around on this, you know, on Earth and interacting with each other, our higher selves are just on a higher plane, interacting with each other's higher selves and our spirit guides. You know, and they're in our shadow. I feel as though our shadow aspects are interacting with each other. There's just an entire unseen world of stuff that's going on that you are in control of that you don't even know. I think there's there was like research done about you know how much of our conscious mind we use and how much of our unconscious mind is running in the background at all times, and we just ha- don't have access to that. And that also ties into the shadow self. But I think there's definitely things that you can do. Awake and hear and examining parts and, you know, sending, you know, loving energy to, you know, someone who might be having those feelings towards you and just accepting that they have faults, accepting that they have traumas, accepting that their experiences and truths have led them to believe that you are acting in a way that isn't for their highest good, which might not be true. And maybe you, you know, maybe you do get triggered and bothered by them. And then you have to examine, you know, what about your parts is getting triggered? What, what trauma does that root down to? You know, I think one of the biggest things for me is like, when I get triggered by other people, it's not, you know, what is that other person doing? It's more of like, okay, why do I feel like I need to judge them? Or why, you know, sometimes people do judge and that's fine. And it's always, again, that duality of like, am I perceiving or am I projecting? That's another layer, you know? So it's like, it's, again, it goes existential. It's tough. Now, it's important to know these things because ultimately it can help you navigate through not only this life or wherever you're going next. Is, is that true? I mean, you know, understanding these things or help working things out. People that can't get to these places of understanding seem to have very difficult lives. They seem to repeat the same mistakes over and over. So is that the case? Is that really exploring these realms and understanding, diving into your existence, helps you heal ultimately, no? So here's the thing with that. The further I go on this journey, the darker it gets at some points. And I've told people in person before, if you are wanting to astral project and you are wanting to take that seriously, you need to be prepared. It is not for everyone. This path has led me down spiritual psychosis of just the weight of 
the knowledge that sometimes I get and the downloads I get, if I'm not anchoring that, if I'm not taking care of myself, you could be in some real trouble, you know? It's it's not a it's not anything to mess around with. And if you take it seriously and you want to, you know, switch your lifestyle, you need to be prepared to be going through your traumas. And I mean really going through traumas like really healing parts of yourself and sometimes generational trauma, mostly generational trauma, sometimes past life trauma. It's not going to be for everyone. And I personally, for me, I know that I'm, I I feel I'm strong enough to carry that torch for myself, but sometimes I don't always feel that strong. Sometimes, you know, it does take me to some really dark places but I also know that the rewards are very sweet. I know that I'm becoming a higher version of myself by going through this. I know that I'm healing myself and subsequently, you know, people in my life by just being myself and learning how to love unconditionally and be a good person and not, you know, lean into the programming. And I want to inspire and I want to encourage, um, you know, if you are interested in the path, just make sure that you're protecting yourself. Make sure that you're grounding yourself. Make sure that, you know, you're integrating and you have support systems you can talk to because it's just as important, you know, and I think a lot of people on forums, you know, there's a lot of fear being thrown around with astral projection and I see it all the time and I just have to roll my eyes and, you know, because people don't understand it. And some people think it's all fun and games. Sometimes it's not fun and games, man. Like sometimes it, you really just be drudging up stuff and like that's just what you got to go through in order to attain that higher version of yourself and stay at a state of high vibration. But it's, it's tough sometimes. It's tough. But if you're willing to put in the work with all things, you're going to, you know, come out of it mastering some skills at some level. Would you say the most dangerous part of it is dredging up those difficult parts of your yourself uh, and having to deal with it and having to deal with karma and all of the other things you confront? Is that the most dangerous part of this? Is that you're confronted by all of these things normally that you you wouldn't be? So for me, just because my mind works the way that it does, it's just more dangerous for me because I'm just like, you know, again, I struggle with depression here and there. And when you see that everything's just a silly little game, it's just like, you know, nothing matters. Everything matters. Nothing matters. Everything matters. I think a lot of people aren't going to have that struggle in a way that I do, but I'm also trying to do this by myself, you know, like I'm also trying to learn about how to do this and how to navigate this by myself. So it's taking me a lot longer and I feel like I wouldn't have these certain mental obstacles that I do now. Um, if I had like a community of projectors that I could like interact with, right. You know what I mean? Sure. And like learn from. Um, but my obstacles aren't going to be the same obstacles as everyone else. Um, I just, I have a hard time with, um, the idea that there is just so much like 
else going on and I just can't always be there and accessing that. And you just got to accept it, you know? One question that I wanted to ask was when you're out there and you're running into all of these different worlds, entities, could, could you bring something back with you that you're, that you shouldn't, or you're not supposed to, or wouldn't want to? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, thinking about how to go about this one because it's a little weird um or does something follow you could something follow you theoretically yes but then you would just be like you know you would have to search something really search and like have a want to because here's the thing you can form contracts with in my, my opinion, right? My truth. You form contracts with other people. You can also form contracts with entities. Sometimes you enter in contracts unconsciously. When I'm cleansing my spaces and I'm cleansing myself, I'll always add in the line of, you know, I hereby dissolve all contracts that I entered into consciously or unconsciously that are not for my highest good. Because sometimes, you know, entities are very tricky. Sometimes they're very trickstery. They can create situations and ways around you, whether in dream state, lucid state, or the etheric planes and above. Um, not really the etheric planes and above. I would say the low vibrational planes, right? Because um, they can't really hang out on those high vibrational planes. But they're very good at coercing or tricking. And that's why I say in theory, I guess. Um, but I've not really had any like demonic attachments really dark stuff. I haven't found myself on the planes in some really, really dark, like you were asking me earlier, like really scary, fearful places. Not really. The only things that I've had trouble with personally is just like um, succubi and incubi. And those are just pest entities. And they're just, they attach through sexual energy. But just like any other, you know, low vibrational entities that attach to you via certain energy points and anchors, you know, so it's kind of... Would you be willing to talk about a little further about what you just mentioned? Um, yeah, I mean... You could speak it in a general sense. If you feel uncomfortable talking about your own experiences with it, that's okay. If you could just kind of tell me what, what these things could do. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Succubi and incubi in general, um, they've been a particular pest entity to me um, for a really long time. Um, There'll be periods of time where, you know, I'll get rid of them and then I'll always find myself, you know, being entranced by them again because that's what they kind of do. They put you in a trance. Um, A lot of people on the forums, they'll post like, oh, you know, I had a you know, a projection experience, like I was like, you know, 
having sex or like having these sexual experiences and I'm commenting back and I'm just like, y'all, they are sucking your energy. Like you need to like try and ward them off. You know, it's so important that people, you know, know in my opinion that if you're being sexually exploited in any way, even like in dream state, I don't even like being having sex dreams or anything because I feel as though they're entities that are kind of feeding off of that energy. And when you wake up in the morning, like you feel, you feel really terrible. You feel drained. Um, but really they're like any other entities. They're very scared of light. No. Um, but they're very good at putting people in like hypnotic states. I've been in hypnotic states. I've communicated with others who have experienced them as a pest problem. Um, and yeah, they, that's the, really the only like risk I would say in terms of being on the astral plane is just like your energy getting drained. And that's the only risk that I've encountered. Low vibrational entities I know are just like not as powerful or nearly as dense. And like they can easily be kind of like pushed away by just willing it, you know. I'm I'm curious because I've read cases of people who, you know, one in particular, the Doris Byther case from the early 70s. And she was visited in the physical by something that you described uh, as the succubus or the incubus that she was literally raped. Um, and there's a whole story about it. And there was a film adaptation about it. And is it, is it similar to these things that visit you in the astral? Are these the same type of energies perhaps manifest in this dimension? Oh, for sure. Um, definitely every time like a succubus or incubus is looking to feed off sexual energy it, it is very rapey but you're in a very like hypnotic trance and that's hard for you to shake and not me personally but I have interacted with people who have had issues with these entities in the past and um these succubi and incubi form relationships with you. Like they, they feel a certain level of attachment to you. Um, and in my case, like it's just, it's a really hard spell and just giving into those carnal urges. But um, yeah, no, it's just, it's definitely very rapey. It's not a welcome feeling. And as soon as you try and give resistance and you're like, no, um, it could take five, six, seven, eight plus projection experiences to keep telling this entity no before it finally leaves your space after cleansings. Um, and then they, sometimes they get really nasty too, not just succubi and incubi, but sometimes, um, normal low vibrational entities who are hanging around you um when you start to tell them no and you start to will them out of your space and you start to you know let them know they're not welcome here they're not welcome you know feeding off of your energy they'll start to morph into scarier and more chaotic forms to try and then scare you into getting what they want which is your energy um so i think you know this isn't something that i really wanted to share, but I think the importance of letting people know the dangers is, is way more important because I wish I had known 10 years ago what I'm telling now, you know? I, 
Yeah, I appreciate it. And it also connects some dots for me, too, from a lot of stories that I've heard where people's perception of what these energies are. You see, you seem to have a very, um, how do I say, like balanced perspective on what these things are because your fear can turn these things into demons, can turn them into, you know, uh, physically, mentally, sexually assaulting, you know, monsters. Whereas you you seem to be in a good place and have a perspective and perhaps your perspective keeps these things from becoming almost like you just said, they get worse if Yep, absolutely. Wow. Really Yeah, there have been there's been occasions um for sure where you know I've been particularly succumbed to um dark forces, dark attacks. And this was like early teenage years. Like I was probably like 11, 12, 13. I was still going to church pretty regularly um, at my Catholic church. And there was a period of time where I was like very much under, and this I did not, I have not said to anyone because there was a lot of shame in that, which I don't, I don't know why I would feel that way. Right. But um, there was definitely a period of like three or four months where I was like heavily under psychic attack right before I started having my astral projection experiences full on. And I was having really, really dark thoughts. I was having, you know, flashes and visions of just really dark demonic things and shadows. And, you know, it got to a point where I was starting to get sleepless at night and I started, you know, sleepwalking and it was just some really, and I started getting scareder and scareder. And I had a dream and I had a dream that um, Jesus or a form of Jesus or an angel or a light worker came to me with um, like seeds in his hands. And he was like, if you eat these, like they're going to heal you. So in my dream, I'm like eating these seeds and everything stopped. And I have not had any experience like that since. And the next day I was you know, cause this was like throughout the day and night, like I was having these visions and I was like really dark shit. And, um, I like was like telling my whole family, I was like, I had this dream and like Jesus came to me and I, I ate these seeds and I was healed cause I've been having bad thoughts. And they were all like, yeah, okay. Like <laughs> whatever that means. But like, it definitely was like the first encounter of like an example, if you will, of how my fear the more I was fearing and putting my energy towards it, it was just reflecting right back to me. And it just got to the point where intervention needed to happen. And I have another experience if you do want to hear. Of course, um, if you, you know, you feel comfortable telling it. Yeah. So my second healing was I had a succubi that had been preying off of me for couple months and I started to get so frustrated. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I cannot kick this entity. Like it is just so persistent. And this was probably like a year ago. So this was more recent. Um, nothing was ever as bad as what I went through when I was like 11 or 12. Um, but like I have had certain interventions with light worker entities and this, um, about a year ago, um, I was, you know, I had this like this lucid dream where I was like conscious and I was like on this worker table and it was like these 
there was one giant guy. He was probably like seven feet. He was like 300 pounds, but he had tool belts on. He was real steampunky and his little buddy was like a skinny guy. And they like walked over and they're like quipping back and forth. It felt, it really felt like I was in like a movie or like a video game. It was so weird. And I was just like, what are y'all doing? I'm laying there. And they're like cutting into me and they like pull this like black sludge out with like their tongs. And they're like, Jesus Christ, like what the hell, what the hell is that? And they're like going back and forth and they like throw it out. And, um, they like stitched me back up like my etheric body. And then I woke up and I was just like, holy crap. Like did that, like it was just, it was a really powerful experience. And the sucky body left me alone. It didn't bother me after that. It felt detached from me and I was able to, you know, flush it out in a way. But like there are definitely light worker entities hanging out and humanoid forms hanging out on these like higher planes that are like helping humans and they don't even realize it. Wow. So much to think about because again, you know, this conversation creates dots to connect from other previous conversations I've had where people are having experiences at night and their dreams, you know, it's all connected. Uh, and it's amazing because it starts to become more clear and make a little more sense as we go. You know, you have a, you have a heightened and expanded perspective on spirit because of what you have been studying and practicing for a very long time. And so I ask every guest this on the way out is that, well, I mean, and you can expand on this uh, because it kind of lends to it, but usually I would ask, if you retain your consciousness after physical death here, what would you take with you? But you can lend your experiences in the astral to this answer, and there's no wrong or right answer. Um, I, I just think you pop out of your body and you're just like back on the fourth dimension. Your body dies and your your atoms are no longer attracting to each other. You're no longer, you know have a vessel. So it's like, you know, I feel like in layman's terms, like, you know, your little soul, and let's say you, the human body is like a little Voss and the Voss has like a, you know, age of like hundred years. You're going to be here for a hundred years. So the soul goes in the Voss, the Voss gets a little lid screwed on it. Great. You're in the Voss. hundred years later, Voss breaks. You just pop back out. And now you're on the uh, astral planes and higher dimensions again. I think that's just a really easy way to conceptualize what this like big meat suit that we're piloting is. But I just think it is your soul, your etheric body that just pops back out and transitions. And I think from what I've read from a lot of like near death experiences and like, you know, the tunnel of light and they meet the spirit guides. Like it's just very similar to like, you know, projecting truly like, you know, when I travel, outside of earth and I want to like hyperspeed over to like, you know, somewhere in space or I want to find my guides. I kind of hyperspeed, like hyper jump, like you see in like Star Trek, you kind of hyper jump there and it's a tunnel of light and you fly through the stars and you go find them. And it's very, very similar. And do, do you fear death, physical death in this realm at all? No, no. I... I kind of can't wait to go home, but I know like there's like a lot of work I have to do, you know, in learning lessons and working through karma. It's very important. I believe that um, 
yeah, it's very important here. And um, I think everyone's life is extremely important. And you have so many contracts with so many, you know, beautiful other people and humans and, you know, being here and just being yourself is the most important thing. And, but no, I think I welcome death and, um, you know, I'm going, we aren't guaranteed a day in this life. And, you know, if, uh, whether I pass tomorrow or I pass in, you know, another 40, 50 years, I think it's just, you're going back to whence you came. Welcome back to Off to the Witch. I'm your host, Christopher Garitano, and I want to thank you for joining the conversation tonight. Like many of you, I often think of our existence and what the meaning is. The idea of at least having a glimpse into those sacred definitions is both exhilarating and terrifying. Be careful when looking into worlds beyond, as you never know what might be looking back at you. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight.